0: and I help run a company called Impact Due Diligence Investigations. If you need anything in terms of investigative services, feel free to contact me at Impact. If I can't help you personally, I'll certainly direct you to the right person or agency. All right, guys, let's get to it. Just a bit of a switcheroo today. I had an opportunity to interview Aidan Carney of Turtle Boy News regarding his arrest in the Karen Reed case. So I took that opportunity. What we originally had planned was the third episode in the Mara Murray case. We're going to postpone that till next week and we're going to go over some theories and possible suspects in that case. But our interview with Aiden Carney is kind of a long one, and it's pretty wide-ranging. We cover his arrest for nine felonies for intimidating witnesses. It is ludicrous, and also we give some updates on the Karen Reed case. So without further ado, I'm going to give you Aiden Carney of Turtle Boy News. Guys, I'll pop back in to say goodbye at the end, but for now... Please be kind to Aiden Carney.
1: Aiden Carney from Turtle Boy News. Welcome to Boston Confidential. Thanks for having me, Barry. I know we just chatted a little bit before you come on the show, but I I just want to tell you how egregious everybody that I run across thinks these charges are against you. Is it eight or nine felonies they have up against you at
2: this point? Eight counts of uh, felony witness intimidation and one count of conspiracy to commit witness intimidation. So it's nine total. And then four misdemeanors for something I didn't even know. I thought they were kidding when they told me that I was under arrest for this was picketing a witness, like picketing in America is illegal picketing. If you're a witness, you have more protection than in this state that anyone else has for sure. Like people are not allowed to make you uncomfortable. They are not allowed to protest you. They are not allowed to urge you to tell the truth or anything like that. You're not allowed to do anything like that. You have to just leave. You cannot go anywhere near them. We've had peaceful protesters recently that were threatened with the outside of DE Pizza, which is owned by the Alberts. I mean, it's like they have weaponized this statute and taken the very vague and ambiguous language in it and right. used it as a pretext to essentially nullify the First Amendment when it comes to anyone who is a witness, a potential witness, or a family member of a witness, which includes police officers, judicial like lawyers, you name it. It's almost like the entire town of Canton. You cannot protest in the entire town of Canton.
1: Yeah, no, it's absolutely insane. And I think this all stems from, I think, the final straw with you. I think it was the September 25th when Jennifer McCabe was actually at the Proctor's house. That's right. That's what set it off for sure, I think. I know you've been through a lot, right? But imagine being in the state police offices when those pictures become public. Right. Like the bosses of Proctor must have been pulling their hair out. A witness they've already stated doesn't have, I think the words are close familial relationship. Personal, personal relationship, yep. A close personal relationship with the Proctor's is at the Proctor's house. They must have vomited in the sink.
2: You would think so. I mean, you would think at, at what point, like how protected is Michael Proctor in this? Like if the, if you were any other employee, it's like if you're them, you're like, okay, we've gone out of our way to cover for you, right? We, we've, we've looked past a lot of really big mistakes that you've made in this. You never told us that you've known these people for a long time. You know, you lied on your report about what time you got to Karen Reed's parents' house in Dayton and had the car towed. We've caught you in a number of lies. And then how do you repay our loyalty? You allow this woman to come over in broad daylight at 6 p.m. when anyone can see, and you allow her to park outside of your house for some sort of meeting shortly after the district attorney himself made a statement saying there, there is no personal relationship between the Proctors and the McCabes and anyone who suggests to the contrary is lying. Like they went out for you and then you did them like that. And instead of punishing Michael Proctor for this or taking him off the case or assigning, God forbid, another detective to this, they decided to go after the whistleblower. And that would be me. I'm right. the one that publicized that this happened. And they called that conspiracy conspiracy to commit witness intimidation aka also known as conspiracy to report facts and debunk a lie from a right. powerful person by the name of michael morrissey
1: were you present in can that day
2: i was not and i did not even solicit that image to be taken i got a message on twitter about it around five thirty p.m and the guy said it's a guy who's messaged me before he's like i was just driving by Wentworth Road, and I uh, noticed that her car was parked out there, Jennifer McCabe's car. He recognized it, and I compared right. it to other pictures. Um, there's a video of Jen McCabe outside of her house, and the car is there. It's the same license plate. I mean, I had enough to write the story right there, but right. me being diligent, it's like I want to kind of dot my eyes right. and cross my T's. I made sure you know, that the license plate matched up with them, and it did. And that was what they called conspiracy to commit witness intimidation, like double checking, you know, making sure. I knew it was them the whole time. Right. But they're just they're coming after me. Like So basically, they don't like what I'm reporting. And in order to deflect from it because it shows them to be liars, they're, you know, hauling me in there in handcuffs and shackles
1: and acting like I'm some sort of cold blooded killer. And it was McCabe. In the first instance, but later in the afternoon, there was another witness at the Proctor home, wasn't there? That's right. Carrie Roberts showed up about an hour later.
2: And I'm not being charged with intimidating her because I don't know if her plate matched up, but the car matched up. It was clearly the same car that she drives. But I guess there was no uh, Sieges request for hers. So uh, that's not conspiracy. So, but Carrie
1: was there as well. So two witnesses go to the home of people they don't know Because why? To bond.
0: Yeah.
2: When they said that during my arraignment, I wanted to, I'm like, oh, this is a joke. This is, oh, okay. I I thought you guys had something on me. Instead, I come in here and I hear that you guys were bond. AKA, I caught you red-handed. You got caught red-handed, right? These people got caught in the act of proving that the district attorney lied about their relationship. Because that's really who this is about. Not necessarily the Proctors and the McCabes, but about the district attorney, right? We know that these people know each other. Everybody knows that. The problem is the people who are supposed to do something about it are lying to our faces about it, just lying, and, and they're just gaslighting us. And we showed this to be untrue, and
1: here we are. The last time we spoke, you said something to me that still rings in my head, and You said, Barry, you still believe in institutions. And yeah, I'm expecting the prosecutors to be the good guys, right? Shit, we've come across this evidence where they do in fact know each other (laughs) more than once. And as a citizen, I'm expecting we're going to hold a press conference. We have to dismiss these charges against Karen Reed. After I saw those photos of McCabe at Proctor's house, I says, this has to be the end of the road. But I've said Mm -hmm. that several times in this case. Like, I guess I still have that inkling of faith in the institution. I don't. Not the Norfolk County
2: DA's office. It's rotten to the core. You know, this is the kind of stuff that happens in third world dictatorships like North Korea or Russia, where they just lie to you and they say, yeah, the dictator won with 99% of the vote. Everybody knows he didn't. And everybody knows he's not omnipotent. And they just lie to you. And you're like, well, I have no choice but to pretend to believe this because they have all the guns. And what am I going to do without guns? And like, they can do this to me. And now they're doing it here. They're just flat out lying. And it's just so, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that these people know each other and they're just saying with a straight face, no, they don't. They don't. How is that any different from what the Russian government does or the North Korean government does? Well, because they're not putting us in gulags. I mean, they're trying to put me in a gulag. It's like for pointing this out. And it bothers a lot of people. But it, yes. there's a certain segment of society that is okay, and it's kind of perverted, that is okay with watching the government weaponizing our jails and weaponizing the legal system to take freedom away from people who they just don't like. They're okay with it. Like, I look at January 6th as kind of that way. You know, it's kind of sick. Like, and I've seen some of these guys, and I'm not a pro-January 6th guy or anything like that. I want to be very clear about that. But I'm watching some of these people just, like, get off on watching some guy go to jail for 22 years who wasn't even in the Capitol that day. And they're just loving it. Like it makes them happy. It's like, how can you have such joy for somebody else having their freedom stolen from them, taken from them by daddy government? You're okay with that. And so many people are willing to watch the government weaponize itself against people who they just don't like. And it's okay. Right.
1: And there's some people, I think, in this whole realm who want to do the right thing, Aiden, right? But they've got 10 years in on state government, meaning in another 10 or 15, their pension comes behind it. They're married. They got a house like we all do. And they say, geez, what the hell am I supposed to do? Give up my pension to do the right thing? Look what they're doing to Aiden. They're going to try to put him in the joint. I'll at least lose my job.
2: Get a new job and you, and you like your job. There's a famous quote from uh, it's a Daniel Craig movie, Defiance. Have you ever seen the movie Defiance? Yes. It's where the Jews hide in the woods in Belarus and Daniel Craig leads them. And one of the Belarusian people who collaborates with the Nazis killed his parents. And he goes right. to his house to get his revenge. And the, the Belarusian cop says to him, he's like, I was just doing my job. It was my job. And he goes, yeah. and you like your job? And he killed him right there. And, and that's what I want to say to these people And you like your job. You like being Michael Morrissey's bitch because that's what you are. Do You like making 80 grand a year that much. You can't find another job working for an institution that isn't corrupt where you can sleep at night. I know there's members of the state police that know this is bullshit and none of them will speak out about it. None of them will speak out about it. this is justice. And that's really pathetic. I'll be perfectly honest with you.
1: No, it is pathetic. You're right. When is your next court hearing? Because I've said on my program, they're going to have to winnow down some of these counts because some of them are just laughable. When do you appear again in court?
2: My next hearing for pretrial is December 5th, but we may have a hearing prior to that to try to motion to get back my phones and my computer, which is standard that they give these back after they take a copy of it or whatever. But Ken Mello is not wanting to give them back. So we're filing a motion for that now here's the big thing with that. I have confidential sources on there from the state police who have been giving me information about the state police cover up in this. And I believe that all of this was, was just a ploy to get my devices and see who I'm talking to. They're trying to violate not just my privacy, but other people's privacy. They want to go in my emails, my texts, my Facebook messages, etc. They want to see Who's cooperating? They want to punish them. They want to see, am I talking to Cameron Reed's attorneys? Am I talking to Cameron Reed herself? That's what they want to see in there. And and my big thing has always been my brand and my business has been based on trust because people can come to me anonymously if they like and be a source. Who would ever trust me now knowing that at any moment some corrupt cop can just go down to the courthouse file for a bullshit warrant to seize my property and they're immediately compromised their privacy. And so that's a huge problem. And there's a lot of stuff in my phone pictures, you know, a lot of people send me images like that. They don't want the world to see stuff between my family. And it's disturbing to know that these sick individuals who are so morally bankrupt that they're willing to cover up a murder of one of their own, mind you, and arrest me for something that they know is perfectly protected speech that those animals have access to some of my most private and intimate thoughts.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I can't imagine them doing this to somebody from the Herald or the Globe or a woman from Boston Magazine. That was a hell
2: of an honor. Oh, Gretchen. Oh, what a snake she is. Never trust anyone in the media.
1: (laughs) I'm with you, brother. I'm with you. But One thing I'm afraid of, and I didn't know about your sources with the state police, that's gold. But you had mentioned previously that there were some sources in the district attorney's office saying that there was FBI in and out. Those people trying to do the right thing. Right.
2: Yeah, some young kid that called me and I took handwritten notes on it and they were sitting right on my dining room table about the FBI visiting the source that they saw and FBI agents in there on four separate occasions that they've seen Chris Albert in there several times and that they're looking for cell phones. They're looking for cell phones. So that was a major piece of information that I hadn't completely right. made public yet. And now they know now it's, it's like, they're just spying on the other teams it's like going into the other team's huddle.
1: Like that's basically yeah. what they're doing here. It's cheating. Right. And some of your stories come from a tidbit of information from, say, Department of Corrections. Next one for state police. And it's kind of you can meld them together. But they're going to punish those people if they can find them. And they may not punish them the year you have a trial. But once this is out of the headlines, those poor civil servants are in for screwing, I think.
2: Well, a lot of this started with the dispatcher. So, you know, like for years now. I've been doing the series back in the day before I did more serious stuff. We used to shame people who parked in handicap spots. And like we would do it once a week, just shame somebody. I hate people who do that. So many people do it too. They didn't think nothing of it. So some people would send me their submissions and I would say, would anybody want to run a plate for me? And I would get like a dozen people in my inbox being like, sure, what's the number? And I give them the license plate. They give me a name. And like, it was so routine at this point because it's like, am I going to be charged with all those two? You know? So all I did... And this was just put out a thing on Facebook. And I said, does anybody want to, you know, help me out and double check this plate for me? And right. I got like 10 people in my inbox. One of them happened to be a police dispatcher and she got caught. Now, when they went to her, they lied and they told her that they had a warrant for her phone and she's scared. She doesn't know what to do. She hands over her phone. There was no warrant for her phone. And they were able to see her communications with me that's what they really wanted to see and they thought that this was some grand conspiracy between the two of us her and i had never talked before it was like the one of the first times we ever talked i don't know this woman and she was just one of many people who, who volunteered to help prove that the district attorney's office is lying now i'm being charged with conspiracy traditionally a conspiracy involves more than one person But I'm the only one being charged. I don't think she should be charged. She's already been forced to resign from her job. But how are you going to prosecute a conspiracy if only one person is charged? And by the way, I don't have the ability to run a license plate. You can also pay like five bucks a month to go on one of these websites and run it. Tow truck drivers do it all the time. Like, you know how many times cops run plates on hot women? Like, I mean, ask them. It's it's it's, it's routine.
1: I also wanted to ask you, Aiden, the Boston media, I don't know if you've ever picked up recently a copy, a physical copy of the Boston Herald. There's nothing in it. And it's kind of just right for how the Boston Herald is now. There's nothing there. There is no media in Boston anymore. Why wouldn't they want this story?
2: I mean, Howie wrote a decent column on it. A really good column, actually, uh, when it first happened. But you're right. Uh, at my court dates, the, the one persistent guy who's always there is Ted Daniel from Boston 25. He's probably covering it better than anyone. I wish he would do it a little more opinionated, but I, you know, I'm happy he's there. I'm happy that he's, he's asking questions and getting this information out there. It's just a shame that no one else does. When I was arraigned and I was on the courthouse steps, some chump from WCVB, David something, I forget his name. You know, you have a chance to ask me a really good question, like, keep in mind, like, the media itself is in danger here. Like, this could happen to them if they go up to the wrong person and ask them questions and the other person feels uncomfortable or emotionally harmed by doing it. And so instead of asking me a question about that, about the charges, about, you know, what, what does he ask me? Did you really make $5 million? First of all, if I did make $5 million, what the hell does that have to do with anything? But no, I didn't make $5 million. What a stupid question. That's what I told him. What a dumb question. You you get a chance to ask one question and that's what, no, I didn't make $5 million. Then he goes, how much did you make? How much did you make? And he goes, I'm not the one under arrest. I'm not the one charged. Yeah, because you, they're not scared of you. You're a good dog. You don't ask tough questions of people. You don't challenge powerful institutions. So you'll never be in danger of this. You're a good dog. Okay. You'll go home and eat your cheese sandwich and call it a day and put on your sweater vest and you'll have a nice little comfortable upbringing working for WCVB. But I'm actually in the business of trying to report actual news and stories and hold powerful institutions accountable. Like that whole exchange that I had there is just everything that is wrong with the media today. They have no interest in actually reporting the bigger picture here.
1: Right. It's. Almost disdain. They're treating the case with disdain and they want to come down on the side of the Commonwealth for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think to myself, why is that when there's so many irregularities? In an age where you need eyes on your newspaper and clicks on the website, they've abandoned it. And like your bonanza of a story was right here. It's strange. Is yeah. it just not fit in a certain narrative? I mean, I'm willing to do a sit down
2: interview with any of them, exclusive interview, whatever they want. Sit down because you're right. It's going to get clicks. It's like people are going to want to hear about the story. They're going to want to talk about it. But for whatever, I don't read the mainstream media. I don't I don't know what's in the Herald every day. I don't know what's in the Globe every day. I can imagine what's in there. Probably not anything very interesting, probably just a lot of divisive culture, you know, war stuff and race issues and, and God knows what else is in there. Uh, looking for stories that really nobody cares about. Now, what if I worked for WCVB and I use the same tactics? I don't think they would be quiet about it. I don't think that they would just let this happen to one of their own, but it's okay when it happens to me because I'm a threat to their brand. Like my brand of journalism, like they're a dinosaur. Like eventually people who do what I do, and there will be more people like me, will eventually make them obsolete. And so I'm sure they're kind of
1: happy to see this happening. Obsolete's a good word for them. I was at the barber shop and I and I subscribe for the podcast to a few different papers, but I pick up the newspaper. There is nothing but car ads. I'm like, where's the news in this thing? Is it like four people at the newspaper already? Yeah. I mean, I if I go on what's what's the Boston Globes website? Is it
2: Boston? Is it Globe dot com? Boston.com. Okay. Clarissa Thompson under fire for admitting she fabricated sideline reports. (laughs) The numbers are in how much it'll cost to fix the NBTA aid agencies say they can't send food and other supplies to Gaza because of communications blackout. It's like, yeah, okay. I mean, Gaza is important, right? Right. But like as far as a local newspaper goes, how are you not covering a local, a major local news story that perfectly connects with one of the biggest murder mysteries in the country.
1: Right. You're just like whoever Clarissa Thompson is, they're talking about her and said, I don't want to call anybody out by name, but I know it's just you and I chatting here. There's a guy at the Herald Flint McCulligan, right? He's a reporter for them and he covers the crime beat, but I can tell this guy never leaves the office. I probably shouldn't pick on him. They just pick up what's on the wire and maybe make one call and just lump it without ever leaving the office. And I think that's Mm. what's happening today in media.
2: Yeah, they just blindly repeat. Like when I saw the coverage of my arrest, all they did was blindly repeat the charging documents, things that were said in court. It's like, how about a little bit of analysis? How about looking at the charging documents and seeing, did this happen? Instead, people on YouTube are doing it. Like for instance, some of the things I'm being charged with, I'm not sure if you've actually looked at the charging documents, but they take a bunch of quotes that I said out of context on my YouTube shows. And one of the comments, I say something to the effect of I'll be back. You people aren't going to get rid of me that easily. Like I'll be back every time you get used to me. You know, you're never going to see the end of me. You know, something like that makes it sound sinister. And they claim that I'm saying this towards the witnesses in this case. But if you actually play the tape, which they list the tape number and you play it, I actually go to the Canton DPW and the woman there gives me the runaround. She won't give me the phone number for the DPW superintendent because I'm trying to find out who plowed the road that night, which actually turned out to be a really big tip. And yeah. she's given me the runaround and on my analysis of it afterwards, I said, like, you guys think you're going to get rid of me that easy? You're not. I'm going to be back. Oh, I'll, I'll keep coming back. You know, I'm, I'll be back every weekend. You're never going to stop seeing me. So I'm not talking about the witnesses. I'm talking about the DPW worker Who didn't want to do her job like that's it and so they completely and the media if they were honest would look at that and they would look at the charging documents and they and then they would question the district attorney's office and they would say we're looking for comment on this is there any reason that you took this out of context intentionally did that but they don't want to do that instead they want to just get their clicks on the initial arraignment and move on to the next thing
1: i think you're right there is no digging they take the word of the institution to use your phraseology. And that's the end of the line for the reporting. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that came up for me is when you were in the men's room at the courthouse with that trooper's name, Buch- Buchanan. Yeah. Buchanan. I think that's his Buchanek. name. Buchanan. Okay. Yeah. But you did this thing where he's supposedly in the bathroom with you and you're kind of giving him the business. He wasn't in the bathroom, was he? No. He had already so. left the
2: he was he, he was there earlier, and he finished about 40 seconds before me. And then well, I was talking to him when he was in there. I was giving him the business when oh, he was okay. in there. But I'm not going to tape him. I'm not going to tape a, a cop in a bathroom. He's going to see it. You know, like I'm not like I, I had the phone on top of the urinal. After right. he left, I'm not going to put it right on there. He's going to see that I'm taping <laughs> it like, you know, so uh, yeah. after he left, I'm like, I'm going to fuck with him a little bit, you know, <laughs> because I, that's what I do. And so I, I took a video of about 10 seconds and I, I appear to be looking at the URL next to me. There's no one there. And I'm like, hey, so you, you and Proctor are covering this up. Oh, cool, cool, cool. And then I posted to Twitter as like bait almost. Right. And I didn't think they'd actually be dumb enough to fall for it, but they used that they said that that is evidence of wiretapping except the, the issue with wiretapping is wiretapping requires audio like there is right. no audio of him there's no interception of audio because he's not right. there so there's actually no evidence of that and and they okay. use that incident as a pretext to apply for a warrant to get my device so we are going to avoid that statement that's the probable cause so if right. we get that tossed i mean anything that they were on my phone then Yeah. You
1: know, the whole it all goes away. I mean, this whole thing could go away. Two things we've just covered with common sense. You know, there's no law degree there. And I'd have to say two of those charges are gone. You audio recorded a person who wasn't in the room.
2: Yeah. I'm not being charged with that. I'm not. They don't even have a wiretap of charge of me. I mean, there's eight individual witness intimidation charges. Right. Including the ones against Jennifer McCabe and. Michael Proctor and Elizabeth Proctor. So if if right. we got those dropped, right, because they're ridiculous, yeah. then there would be no conspiracy to commit witness intimidation because the witness intimidation would be dropped. So, you know, you get those right. dropped, you get the other one dropped. But as far as the picketing a witness, I mean, give me a break. Right. So that all comes from this rolling rally that we did. We had a a trip to Canton on July 22nd, which I publicized ahead of time. At any point, if my actions were illegal, they were free to tell me that. You know, they were free to break it up too. Like we told them what time we were coming and we peacefully went, started in Norwood. We went to Brian Albert's house in Norwood and then Michael Proctor's and then Jennifer McCabe's and then Julie Nagels. And then we went to Fairview Road and then we went to the police station. (laughs) And each stop, I spoke for about seven or eight minutes about who the witness was and what their role in the cover-up was. The the conspirators, like what their role in the cover-up of the murder of John O'Keefe was. And there's nothing illegal about that. Not once did I ever, ever urge any of these people to change their testimony, which is an element of witness intimidation that you have to be able to prove. I've never done that.
1: That's so I, intent- I
2: don't
1: Yeah. Your words were, I want you to testify truthfully. I didn't even say I
2: want you to testify truthfully. I said, uh, tell the truth. Okay. Not even right. to the police, to the public, like we're right here. Can you tell us the truth? Like, I'm not asking right. you to tell the police to change your story with police. Nothing like that. First of all, are we not operating under the assumption that you're telling the truth? So if the judge is saying, or whoever is saying, the, if the police are saying that I'm trying to alter someone's testimony by urging them to tell the truth, wouldn't that mean that the police are saying that they're lying? Is that not what they're saying? And also that basically makes every Catholic priest in this state a felon, because when you go to confession, if Chris Albert goes to confession and he says, father, uh, I sinned. I lied to police about my son's involvement in a murder. And the priest then says to him, well, as part of your repentance, You need to tell the truth. You need to come forward. That's witness intimidation. The priest just told you to change your testimony. Like they're basically outlawing being a Catholic priest in this state. (laughs) So you can't even urge people to be ethical in this state. You have to just shut up and remain silent as people, as corrupt government officials cover up a murder of a cop.
1: So during the first bail hearing, I know you were shocked that, the Commonwealth wasn't prepared, right? <laughs> this guy, Mello, says, maybe I can wing it, Judge. <laughs> no, oh, he not. wanted to.
2: He tried a couple times. He's like, I can do it. And the Judge is like, you sure about that? You're sure about that? And then he had my lawyer talk for five minutes and grilled him about the First Amendment implications. And I think right. a light bulb went off in Mello's head. He's like, actually, yeah, this isn't as simple as I thought it would be. It's like, does he not? understand that this is a first amendment case it's like he's like this isn't a first amendment case it's like it quite literally is like that's what's on trial here is is the first amendment you have no idea every lawyer i talked to about this everyone i interviewed as a potential lawyer for this they all said the same thing they want to attack the statute there have been people itching to go after this witness intimidation statute since it was put into inception like 10 or so years ago because it's just so vague and it basically criminalizes anything like 300 people were at that Rolling rally. I'm the only one charged, right? We were all there. Why am I the only one charged? I don't think anyone else should be charged, but I think we know the answer to that, why I'm the only one charged. Because I'm the only one with a YouTube channel with 50,000 subscribers, with a website that is read by millions of people a month. And so that's why they're trying to silence me, not because of necessarily my speech, but
1: because of my influence. Absolutely, because it's effective. Right, right. this guy, Mello, and he said, I could win it, Judge. Aiden, that's every DA ever. Watch them come into a courtroom. The first time they see the case that they're about to try, they're going through their notes like they've never seen it before. And if you contrast that to Karen Reed's attorneys, <laughs> well, ready to go. They're not wearing sandal shoes in the courtroom. They're there for business. You're right, And this guy, Mellow Lally, they're every DA ever constructed. You know what I mean? And it's yeah, just, I mean, just
2: sad. Who would ever hire them in private practice? No one. Right. Like they're, they're obviously not. Adam Lally, his expertise is reading off of a piece of paper, and he's not even very good at that, quite frankly, right. in monotone voice. He sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher. You know, he just gets up there. And, and just his job is to lie. His job is to get up there right. and lie. I don't think he believes a thing that he's saying there've been incidents in the courtroom where people just openly laugh at him. Like when he said that there's no evidence that the proctors know the McCabe's or the Alberts and everyone just burst out laughing. And right. like, it's a comedy yeah. show. It's like, yeah. he could tell some comedy, like he could do that. And he knows it's a lie and he's willingly participating because he likes his job. He likes his cheese sandwich right. and his $90,000 a year salary. And he's comfortable doing Pensed. that right. and the pension. Right.
1: Yeah. But a lot so- of jobs have pensions, you know, no, I know. But just the level of performance. You agreed to come on my show last week, and I did a shit ton of preparing. How about that? Right? How about, this hey, you, you know I, all about this. <laughs> this is what I do. But like going through the notes, like, Jesus, is this on for today? Like, yeah, guy, it's on for today. It started at 9 a.m. Why aren't you prepared, ready to go, and take this through the hearing? The judge has to call you off because you didn't do your homework. Yep,
2: and it was very clear, I think, that the, you know the writing was on the wall with that. That the judge wanted the prosecution to win. He didn't like me no. for whatever reason. I just rubbed him the wrong way. Probably doesn't have much of a sense of humor, and I'm somewhat of a comedian. I'm somewhat of an entertainer, right. and it's like he knew. Like for instance, the Colin Albert thing I'm charged with is Colin Albert made some videos on TikTok in which he threatens a group, a rival gang called the Advantage Boys. And he says, like, yo, I'm going to fuck your dogs up. Bang, bang, bang. Like, you know, he's going to kill them. And so I called Colin on my show, as I do a lot of people, to see if they want to talk. And usually they don't, but, you know, 10% of the time you get someone. So you got to try. And so I called Colin Albert up. I got his voicemail. And I did an impression of him doing the Advantage Boys bang, bang thing. Anyone who listens to that knows I'm not actually threatening him. I'm a 41 year old man who lives in the suburbs. I don't talk like that. I'm not a some hardened gangster. I'm just somewhat of a satirist. And halfway through, I said, "No, but seriously." And then I started asking him serious questions about it. It's like so the transition from satire to serious questioning could not be more obvious. And there is no way the judge cited this multiple times as evidence that that's clearly a threat. It's like, did you listen to it? Did you actually listen to what the actual audio, or are you just reading off this piece of paper? If he actually listened to it, then he knows it's satire and he's you know, pretending that it's not. But I don't think he possibly could have come to that conclusion. I hope he didn't listen to it and reach that right. conclusion because that's actually worse. I hope he's just lazy and didn't actually
1: listen to the audio. Right. No, I'm sure that's the case. I'm sure it's laziness rather than corruption on that one, right? And you can always do that with the Commonwealth. Maybe they're not fully corrupt, but they just suck at their jobs, you know? Mm -hmm. But one thing I, I wanted to ask you about, and it bothers me, right? It seems like we're waiting for the FBI in this case to come in and save the day. And you grew up in Metro Boston. And so we know what that agency actually is. And just a quick flashback, Joe Salvati did life, basically life in prison. The FBI knew it. His co-defendants died in prison. They knowingly put men on death row who they knew were innocent. Joe Barbosa killed some other shitbird and they put it on all these innocent men. The FBI let that happen. Then, as that continues, Whitey Bulger, Cadillac Frank Salemi, the list goes on in Boston with the FBI. We're waiting for them to come riding in like white knights. Could we be misguided on that? You know, a lot of people say that. I mean, the the U.S. Attorney's Office uh, in Massachusetts
2: has a pretty good record of going after bad people. They went after Jason Correa, the mayor of Fall River. They went after Monica Cannon Grant. Right, like they they recently went and got. I don't know if you saw that NPR reporter from New Hampshire who reported on Eric. Um, what the hell's his name? He's like that billionaire guy. Eric, why am I drawing a blank? Do you know I'm talking about? He's like a roided out dude. They, he they runs the Grand. They recover. You're right. Was they this, threw bricks through yeah. windows, but they yeah. got him. You know, right. they got the guys who did it, and that gives me hope that, like, like they really get bad people. The U.S. Attorney's Office has a pretty good record in the state of getting the people that they need to get, that they're not gonna let just blatant corruption happen right in right. front of them. And so I have a hard time believing that they're going to just allow a corrupt district attorney's office and a corrupt you know, group of, of state police troopers and detectives to cover up the murder of a Boston police officer. I, I, I don't think that's gonna happen. And so I have faith, this is just my opinion, I believe that they're giving them the rope to hang themselves. That's what I'm hoping that, right. that they are waiting until the last minute with Cameron Reed, like a week before trial, they're going to come up with indictments because they can't let this woman go to trial. They can't do it. I mean, how can they ethically do right. that? And by the way, they can call FBI agents to the stand. Like I know the names of the FBI agents who are involved in this because they talked to Lucky Lockrin they've been in the office I, one of them's a woman that's right. one of the first things i asked the source from within the da's office i said was one of the agents a female and he said yep okay yeah now i know it's legit because i know that a woman is in charge of this and josh levy you know he's got a pretty good record he's not from around here which is good so he's not one of the good old boys and yeah. if you read the rachel rollins ethics report on that Throughout that report, Josh Levy was the voice of reason, like the good angel, like on his shoulder telling her, like, don't do that. You don't want to accept that. That's unethical. And she just ignores him. So it seems like he has a moral and an ethical compass. And I have a hard time believing that they're just going to let this one slide.
1: I hope you're right. But geez, just the history. The history gives me some cause. They would pick
2: it up a bit. That would be nice. Don't get me wrong.
1: Yeah, no. And. I've been trying to gauge when a federal grand jury gets impaneled and I can't really do it. I I would think this grand jury would have finished by now, but who knows?
2: I don't know exactly how a grand jury works. I think they just go once a week. I know Thursday is grand jury day in Moakley for this case. When I found out I had a source in Moakley, they're the ones that told me that they saw down there, Brian Albert, Allie McCabe, John McCabe's daughter- Colin Albert, Brian Albert Jr. and Caitlin Albert all down there. And and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. None of those people were listed in any of Proctor's reports as being inside the house when John O'Keefe was killed. So why are they there right now? Why do the feds have them down there? Especially Allie McCabe. She wasn't involved in any of this. And the only conclusion I can come up with is they have geofence. They have undeniable evidence that all of those people were there at that time. And right. I've been told that some of them have since changed what time they left the house, that some people said that yeah. they left before John arrived. And now their stories have changed. And why would you put yourself in the house when John got there? Why would you do that unless that, they, already know. That they got you there? Unless they got you there. Yeah. Right. And your, yeah. your attorney has advised you, do not lie to the feds because there is not a single question they will ask you that they don't already know the answer to. And if they're lying about details like that, what else are they lying about?
1: Right. And that's when it'll crack. But I was thinking last night that if this does go to trial, you may have more than one witness take the Fifth Amendment. If you were advised, well, yeah, then it's over. Right. But I mean, in my trial, too, if, like my,
2: you, you right. my lawyer is not going to ask Jennifer McCabe about how long to die in cold. Or, right. you know, ask or ask any of these people, uh, you know, I mean, go down the list. Colin Albert, they, we're going to we could have a field
1: day with if uh, you were a, Kevin Reddington. Would you allow your client to answer that question? No,
2: but it's like so how I don't see how they're going to. I know. like How are you going to. And I don't even think Kevin Reddington can. object. I think the district attorney's office would have to be the one to object. Right. To right. Any questions? Because yeah. he can't save her. It's going to be interesting because. How is that gonna look to a jury? I mean, there are cold-blooded killers, people who we all know are guilty, who get found not guilty, simply because of police screw-ups. Like if police don't do everything by the book, bad people get away with crimes, right? You need to, right. you know, make sure that your reports are proper. Make sure this right. like you were trained to do this. You cannot be sloppy about this. So we can't let cops be sloppy with this. I mean, with the Camarie case, it's just like, I mean, where do you begin with the sloppiness? Like you didn't tell us that you were best friends with them? That's case dismissed right there. How's that gonna work right. to a jury?
1: Yeah. And ethically, they're bound. They're not supposed to bring a case to trial. If they know they're not going to win it, if there's not a good chance that they're going to win it. It's unethical, but. This you know, has- and
2: there was a case in Norfolk County, like maybe a year ago, a cop and I believe Medfield had his um, coffee spit in, in Dunkin Donuts by a barista. Yes. And they had video of her going like this to the thing. And Morrissey dropped the charges. Cause he said, we can't ethically bring something because she's going to say that she was smelling it. We didn't see the actual spit go in. And so we can't move forward. So the DA's office is willing to drop charges against people in certain instances, but not with can't. It's a read. It's like overwhelming in a sense. Overwhelming. I mean, where do you start? And they're just like, they're pushing forward anyway. And they have to lie and manipulate and gaslight you in order to try to get you to believe that everything is on the up and up here.
1: So one of the things I'm hung up with the Karen Reed end of it is I see Karen Reed backing her vehicle out of the garage early in the morning. It's still dark out. She hits John's car a little bit, That's right. but the, the video continues. That light is almost fully intact. You yeah. Correct. Yeah. There's a small that glass is already or plastic is already supposed to be on the lawn that's correct because it's 5 a.m right that happened right and she hit him allegedly so, four and a half hours earlier you know you're not close up on this in the video but it may have been dislodged it may have been cracked but that glass looked intact how could the glass be intact if it's supposed to be at the house
2: not only that, they said there was 35 pieces of taillight that they eventually found. It takes up the entire taillight. Like they, like they put it together like a puzzle. Right. That's going to be entered into evidence that they found. And that is going to be all the rope that they need to hang themselves. That's what I mean by the feds are giving them the chance to hang themselves. When they entered yeah. the, all that taillight stuff into evidence and then they look and they say, wait a minute, that taillight was still on. At five o'clock, which means you, someone planted it. I don't know who, but one of you people planted it. Clearly, something's going on here. And so, right. I think that is what the feds are ultimately doing right now is just that's a perfect example of it. Like, it's going to be right. so easy to prove that there's not 35 pieces. I mean, Proctor found pieces at random days. He did, he, he had five undocumented trips to 34 Fairview Road, all of which he found taillight. Like, so he went on February 8th and he found more taillight that he didn't find a couple days ago, right? So why didn't he keep looking on February 8th? No, then right. he came back February 11th and wouldn't you know it, more taillights oh, there. Yeah. And instead of just doing, a, okay, we stop everything. We're going to look for all this one. Nope, they'll come back a week later. Up oh, more taillight. There's just more taillight. Right. Every time he goes, never documented it, never took pictures of it. We don't know right. how it got, like for all we know, you know, we often say, that Proctor is the one who planted this. But we don't know that. It could have been Brian Albert. I mean, it could, it could have been Kevin right. Albert. It could, the car was at the Canton Police Department. Kevin Albert works at the Canton Police Department. It could have right. been any of them that planted that taillight there.
1: Right. And there was supposed to be some taillight fragments in John's clothing. But at the last hearing, they had a photograph of John's clothing crumpled on the floor of the emergency room. Yeah, and the judge wanted no part of seeing that. But the attorney, the female attorney, I forget her name, lies a little,
2: holding it up a little. Yeah, she the the judge hates those things. Yeah, the judge crazy. She hates the defense. She hates their theatrics because they're too good. Like it's making headlines. Search John O'Keefe autopsy photos online. You don't see the actual autopsy photos. You see a picture of Liza Little holding up the arm in court, and it's such a powerful image.
1: That's another thing I'd like to ask you about. Have you heard anything about that canine DNA? They swapped John's arm supposedly for canine DNA and they sent it out for testing. And this was caught up in discovery. Do you know? If his clothing, horses, his know? clothing. Yeah, the arm oh, tissue, they- that, that disappeared. The arm tissue is gone.
2: They sent the clothing out to be tested. The arm tissue oh, DNA fuck. is just gone. They're just gone. Oh. That's the kind of shit. And just like the Can Library video. It's just gone. Yeah, And they have no explanation for what happened to it. It could potentially be majorly exculpatory. And it's just right. gone. And how's that yeah. going to look to a jury? You know, obviously it's oh, a cover-up. But it's scary that what these people are willing to do. It is. To, to Karen Reed and to me. Right. We're both innocent. And we're no. both being you know, targeted by the state because we're outsiders. You know, Karen Reed's from Bristol County originally. You know, she has no connections to Norfolk County. I'm from Worcester County. I have no connections out there. And these are the good old boys. We messed with the good old boys right in the heart of it, right in Canton. That's where the DA's office is in. And it's right in the middle of Norfolk County. But I tell you what, they they messed with the wrong two people. They messed with two people who are not going to take this stand down, who are not going to plea, who are going to fight, and who are smarter than them who are more resourced than them, and we're going to
1: beat them. One more question. The Boston police reaction to John O'Keefe's death. Why is everything so lacking? You know? What do you mean? Their reaction is just a flat line. And one of their guys was likely beaten to death, and you have a photograph in that house behind you, and yeah. it's almost silence from them. It is. That's and new.
2: It is, because Michael Chesna's trial, Sean Gannon's trial, yeah. the, the people who killed them, every court appearance was packed with uniformed police officers. With yeah. this one, it, there's no one showing. It. I haven't seen it, there's only one Boston cop, some idiot named Carl Dougal, but right. that he's a friend of John's more than a cop. He's just an idiot. And it says a lot. They're failing to be there. But at the same yeah. time, it's like, I would be speaking out if I was a Boston cop, I'd be like, this is bullshit. We all know who killed John." Right. And like, what are we going to do about this? And so they're silent. I mean, I'm happy that their silence says a lot, but that they're not there. But it's also deafening in that it's kind of like, I feel like if more cops spoke up about this, they might stop. You know, they
1: might stop. Yeah. Jeez, said, there's so many weird aspects of this. The reaction of the Boston cops, it's all a head scratcher. But I think, my friend, that's all I have for you this time. And I wish you luck going forward. I know some of those charges against you are going to be winnowed down, but what I'd like to ask you is, no, I know you had a Halloween thing, and I missed it.
2: Yeah, it was a fun party. It was a fundraiser for Karen yeah. Reed. I was just a guest there, you know. Um, but we had a great yeah. time. We raised a lot of money for a legal defense fund and for mine. So we have just right. an amazing community of people. Tonight I'm going to a comedy show and acting that's raising
1: money for Karen Reed too. So okay. we're going to be doing a lot of events for this. All right. And put me on the list for that. And I want to maybe we can have an amber colored beverage together. Yes, absolutely. I'd like that. It's all all right, Aiden. Thanks, thanks for coming on Boston Coffee that show. I'm sure I'll be talking to you going forward. Thanks a lot, Barry.
0: Nice seeing you. All right, guys. I told you that was a wide ranging and kind of long interview, but I thought it was well worth it. And Next week, guys, we're going to be finishing up the Mara Murray case. If you need to get a hold of me for any reason, the email is barry at net. That's barry at net. That's the best platform. And I'm on to the next one. And I'll see you on the flip side.